Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where it doesn't matter if you haven't watched Doctor Who, because I'll tell you about it. Kyle has watched Doctor Who, and he can't wait to tell you all about it. Indeed. But before we get to that today, I did want to mention that this is the first episode that we're recording since the start of the Writers Guild of America strike. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say a couple of things about that. The first thing I wanted to say is that the Doctor's Watcher podcast fully supports the WGA. Mm-hmm. Shows like Doctor Who would not exist without writers. Yep. Either in the 1960s or today. <laughs> yep. And the writers of today are facing an existential crisis and their demands should be met if we want to continue getting cool entertainment content. Yeah, yeah. They deserve to be paid for the work that they do, which is um, really at the heart of what, what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to encourage our listeners to explore the website WGAContract2023.org. You can learn more about what's at stake there and maybe find some ways to support them. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Kyle. The other thing I wanted to mention about it was that I wanted to acknowledge that The Doctor's Watcher is at least a partially written podcast. I pre-write a lot of what I say on this show. What? You mean these jokes and gags (laughs) aren't all extemporaneous? (laughs) This is, of course, not a professional podcast by any means. We (laughs) we make no money and... uh, Probably never will. Uh-huh. <laughs> and as far as I understand, podcasts aren't covered by the WGA anyway. So mm-hmm. listeners have nothing to worry about in terms of this podcast production or anything. Yeah. I mean, if if you were planning on sending us a giant pile of money um, because you enjoy this podcast so much, uh, I'm afraid that we, we're going to have to turn that down now just to remain an amateur podcast so that we're not <laughs> uh, professional in any any way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. Um, so, sorry about that. Hang on one moment. Matilda is getting into the closet where she shouldn't go. No, our co-host. Well, Matilda, get out of there, Katie. Meow. Co-host yeah, shenanigans yeah. on the Doctor's Watcher. That box is there for a reason, and that's to block it off from you. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, it's only fair after last time I had to keep stopping because Beans was trying to get into the drawer <laughs> in the cabinet, which since then I have installed the child locks that I mentioned that I would get, um, although I think he's starting to figure out that if he just pulls hard enough, he can still get him open, <laughs> which I, I did not anticipate. Yeah. Yeah, these cats are smarter than than we hope sometimes. I don't know if it's a question of him being smart or just persistent, but either way. <laughs> well, shall we get down to our episode for the day? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about Doctor Who. So this is the 12th episode of the season, The Devil's Planet, sorry, Devil's Planet, 
Not the devil's planet. Could right. be a devil's planet. Could really be any devil's <laughs> Just planet. Any old we devil's planet. It is the third episode of the serial, The Dalek's Master Plan. Yes. So, Kyle, for Devil's Planet, how'd you watch it? This episode, we are back to a loose cannon reconstruction. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the The production number on this whole serial, the production number of the loose cannon reconstruction of the serial is LC-20. So, I guess the Daleks' master plan was the 20th production that loose cannon did. Huh. Okay. Congratulations, Lewis Cannon, on your 20th um, reproduction, I guess. Yeah. I did read that it was their first production to use computer-generated images. Apparently, a lot of the Daleks that we see throughout this serial are CGI. Wow. Well, uh, I know we've commented before on how they level up... um, their uh, their production values as they go along so interesting yeah totally i thought that was cool and they look pretty good like the cgi daleks look pretty good nice so would you remind us of the cliff dangler um yeah well, i uh i forgot to think about this because i just <laughs> but i did just um do the uh the qa listen on the previous episode so i should you would think I would be able to recall what happens. Um, hmm. I know that the doctor was dressed like Zephon or something like that. Um, am, I, or am I even in the right ballpark? We've got our video off right now due to uh, internet troubles. <laughs> right. So I have even less uh, feedback from Kyle <laughs> on my clip dangler than usual. So um, that, that was in the episode. That was not... It was... A f- couple minutes before the cliff dangler, basically. Okay, when... remind us of the cliff dangler then. Sorry, Kyle, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Matilda, stop that. Sorry, she's eating hair off the carpet again. <laughs> oh, Matilda. Matilda, I don't want you to barf later. So the doctor had dressed up as Zephon so he could attend the Daleks Master Plan Club conference. Mm-hmm. And... At said conference, you know, when Zephon himself showed up and then there was kind of chaos and somebody had triggered an alarm, the doctor ended up stealing the jar of terranium, which is the special core of the time destructor that the Daleks have been building. Yeah, I do uh, vaguely remember this now. (laughs) And then the actual Cliff Dingler itself is that... Brett and Steven and Katarina had stolen Mavic Chen's ship and were about to leave without the doctor. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely did listen to this the other day. I just uh, (laughs) kind of blinked on it. Matilda, stop that. One sec. Kyle's partner sometimes calls Matilda a carpet muncher or a rug muncher for this reason. We'll see if that stays in the episode. (laughs) I think since she's basically been sleeping all day long until now. Oh, well, she's like, she's got plenty of energy for mischief then. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So, yeah, we basically pick up right from the cliff dangler. Brett is getting ready to launch the ship. Uh, Steven and Katarina are asking him to wait for the doctor 
but you know he he wants to go warn Earth basically. Yeah, and he doesn't really know the Doctor have any uh, loyalty to him. Right. There's a light on the console of the ship that indicates that the outer door isn't fully shut because it turns out the doctor arrives just in time. Nice. Well, Cliff Dangler is all. <laughs> uh-huh. So they let him on board, they shut the doors of the ship, and they GTFO into space. Interesting. So now they're no longer on the uh, the most dangerous planet in the universe. Right. I also thought it was interesting that I think this might be, well, I guess it's not the first time that they're on a spaceship other than the TARDIS, but Hmm. it's the first time in a while that they've been on a spaceship other than the TARDIS. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, Oh, is this one also written by Terry Nation? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier. We are still in the Terry Nation portion of this serial. Okay, so... I mean, I don't know if it's going to be Daleks all the way through or just the parts that Terry Nation wrote, because uh, Kyle did mention that there are two different writers on this serial, and I'm wondering what that bodes. <laughs> uh-huh. So we cut from the spar over to the Dalek control room, where they are tracking the spar. Cool. Nice. I like how they say, you know, five sections, speed 3,000. doesn't say 3,000 what, so that uh, all those, uh, you know, pedantic science nerds out there are like, well, actually, escape velocity on a planet with Earth-like <laughs> gravity would be like, you don't know. That could be 3,000 Dalek, Dalek eaters or something. I <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, too. Like, we don't need, even need to bother, like, making up a name of a Dalek unit we'll just say speed 3000 yeah like in star wars where they say 10,000 10,000 dollars advance or whatever it's like they they don't they didn't even have the word for credit yet in uh, uh-huh. the original star wars they're like whatever currency they use in space <laughs> <laughs> one of the daleks says that everything is all set up and ready for this you know this ship's space extinction but the Black Dalek says that they must be caught alive. Nice. Neutronic randomizer. I dig it. Yeah, totally. We cut back to Mavic Chen's ship, the Spar, with our, our PCs on it. And the Doctor is saying, Well done, Brett. Well done. You did a shot pretty well. Oh dear. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Brett's like, Thanks. I thought you weren't gonna. <laughs> oh boy. And so that's the original line. <laughs> uh, I thought you weren't going to make it. I think it was. <laughs> that, that, that almost still, uh, still has a little bit of a, a, a risque uh, element to it. Uh huh. Doctor says, Oh, of course I was. You're far too pessimistic. Okay, I'm enjoying this conversation. (laughs) The Doctor catches everyone else up on how the Daleks and their allies are planning to take over the universe, Uh starting with Earth and then the solar system. Yeah, seems like a good plan. 
and Mavic Chen, guardian of the solar system, is helping them. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, not taking his role very seriously there. Right. Of course, he's apparently hoping to gain more power personally. Being in charge of the solar system is not enough. He wants to be in charge of the universe and, you know, be at the Daleks at the Daleks side, basically. Yeah. And the Daleks have already decided basically this guy's got to go. Uh-huh. But our PCs want to get to earth to warn everyone before Mavic Chen and the Daleks get to earth. Yes. But Katarina is not sure about this. But how can we return to earth? We've already left it. The doctor's like, don't worry, it's like a totally different kind of Earth. And Brett's like, dude, Stephen, like, what's up with her? Hmm. Stephen's like, I saw her. she helped us in Troy. She doesn't really understand. Also, she thinks she's dead. <laughs> yeah, we're leaving that out now, apparently. I, I assume that's why she thinks they can't return to Earth, because she's like, but we're dead. We can't return to the land of the living, basically. Right. Yeah, I don't think it's ever explicitly made clear, but that was what I was assuming as well. Gotcha. Brett is still kind of like, you know, WTF. She comes from Troy or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the conversation has moved on to how the doctor has the terrenium that the Daleks need. And Brett's like, dude, that's wild. It would take years to mine that much terrenium. And... The doctor says, 50 years to be, to be precise, and Mavic Chen has given this to the Daleks to complete one of the most evil weapons ever devised, the Time Destructor. The Time Destructor. I dig it. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool weapon, Time Destructor. I mean, if, it, if it's going to use 50 years worth of mined terranium, then it better be. Right. I think in the earlier episode, they said it was a full M of Terranium. My goodness. Which I think in some episode, I kind of gathered that that means a full measure. Shrug. <laughs> <laughs> the Dalek Master Plan Club conference is still going on back on Kemble. And the topic of the next session is who's responsible for the theft of the Terranium, Zephon or Mavic Chen. Yeah, they had to uh, pencil that into the schedule. Zephon <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> tries to blame it on the Daleks themselves, saying that they don't have good enough security. Then he tries blaming it on Mavic Chen, saying that the intruders who stole it must have come from the solar system because otherwise, how else would they have known that the Terranium was there to be stolen? <laughs> yeah, they definitely didn't just kind of stumble across it and grab <laughs> it like on a spur-of-the-moment decision. Uh-huh. But yeah, apparently, like, none of the other conference-goers even knew about it before Mavic Chen, like, made his whole presentation. Only the Daleks and Mavic Chen knew about it. Well, it's more impressive that way. Chen's basically just like, why the fuck would I spend 50 years secretly mining this only to, like, arrange to have it stolen? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a, a fair point. Unless he's secretly good. He needs to do an <laughs> evil test. Uh-huh. Make sure he's sufficiently bad. The conversation 
continues, and it becomes clear to Zephon that everyone else basically thinks it's his fault. Uh, something to do with negligence and apparently causing the meeting to start late because he didn't feel like showing up on time. I wasn't quite sure what that had to do with it, but something apparently. Well, everyone else is ready to go. I mean, uh, I think I think that's enough reason yeah. to uh, to blame somebody. He tries to leave, but this is a closed door session. Once it starts, you're not allowed to leave until it's over. And the next thing on the agenda for this session is... And <laughs> Should have read that agenda before you came, buddy. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, just thought that the title of the, the session sounded good, and uh, it didn't seem like you had to go into detail. <laughs> you had room on your schedule, you know, you didn't have anything else in that time slot, so you just, you just added it. <laughs> right. You know, it was kind of like a, a last-minute s- session, so you want to yeah. see, like, what, it, what the big deal is. Yeah. But he gets film negativized to death. Dun dun dun. You're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a five star review and tell a friend. We appreciate you, listener. You can reach us by tweeting at Dr. Watcher or emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And now, back to the episode. Back on the spar, Stephen is wondering what they should do next. The doctor basically says that they should do nothing. Okay. We have the terranium, so for the moment we do nothing. And by doing nothing, we do everything. Do I make myself clear? <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> kind of no. Uh-huh. Yeah, Stephen's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> and the doctor complains that Stephen asks too many questions. <laughs> oh, doctor, don't ever change. <laughs> I, mean, I assume that he means that, you know, they're on the spaceship and all they can do is kind of wait for the spaceship to fly close enough to transmit to Earth, but... Yeah, uh, and like also that without the Terranium, the Daleks like, probably can't complete their master plan. Yeah, at least for another 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. Look at Katerina over there. She doesn't ask questions. She just looks and learns. <laughs> oh, why didn't you try the same thing? Katerina's like, man, I, I gave up on understanding what's going on like three episodes ago. <laughs> uh, she's like, I don't even know what a question to ask. Yeah, fair enough. The doctor asks Brett if this ship would be likely to have like a cassette deck anywhere so they could play the tape that the doctor found next to that skeleton in the jungle. Uh huh. And Brett's like, oh, you found Mark Corey. <laughs> Good old Mark Corey. Uh huh. They do find a, t- a cassette deck and they play the tape back. And sure enough, it's basically the warning that Mark Corey recorded in the one shot. So how retro is this tape deck? Um, th- So the cassette itself is probably closer to the size of like a video cassette than our standard audio cassette. Mm. And yeah, the tape deck kind of to match. So they're they're pretty retro. Cool. I love it. 
Meanwhile, in the Dalek control room, the Daleks who are tracking the spar notice that it's nearly within range of the planet Desperus. Oh man, please shoot them down over the planet Desperus. I want to see this planet. Yeah, they they start preparing their randomizer. Yes, randomize them. They also send out some pursuit ships. And when the spar gets to basically the closest point in its path to the planet Desperus, the Daleks activate the randomizer. Excellent. There's actually live video of the scene where the randomizer takes effect. I, I didn't quite find out like how this, this clip survived, but we get you know a video clip of it, which is pretty fun because the effect the randomizer has is to make the camera operator give the camera a nice big bump while everybody, all the actors fall in the other direction. Uh, classic. It also causes them to lose control of the ship, which is now heading toward the planet Desperus. All right. <laughs> and Brett explains that it's going to really suck if they crash there because Desperus is a prison planet. Cool. I mean, like, I don't normally root for our heroes to get shot down, but if the planet they're over has a sufficiently cool name, I might. <laughs> uh-huh. The only craft we'd stop there are prison ships bringing out the criminals. If we crash there, we'll be left there to rot the rest of our lives away. The Daleks, having successfully randomized the Spar's controls... Oh, hi, kitty. Matilda also wants to randomize the Spar's controls. <laughs> She wants to know what button to push to get pets. Uh-huh. Apparently the randomizer also allows them to just completely take over the ship and operate it remotely. That doesn't seem very random. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. It's like the opposite of random. <laughs> <laughs> but they do that, and they basically slow the ship's descent to ensure that it makes a soft landing. Because remember, they wanted them alive for whatever reason, I guess, to get the Terranium back. Yeah, which, you know, you could kill the people on board and take the Terranium, but maybe the Terranium is unstable enough. You know what? I'm not going to question it. <laughs> Mavic Chen is in the Dalek control room. He's hanging out with the Daleks, and he's like, you know, you guys are totally effective and shit, and that's really cool. But it's pretty weird that you haven't recovered the terranium yet. Dude, you, you know what? You're on thin ice. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. You're in no place. No, you're in no position to be criticizing right now. Yeah, the Daleks are basically like, It is strange that the intruders docked your space vessel. Perhaps they were indeed creatures from Earth. Yeah, so uh, sit, sit down and... Uh, let the Daleks do their thing. Yeah, seriously. He says that his spaceship was basically just like in the best parking spot to leave quickly because he arrived last. Huh. Yeah, I guess it would be like further back and like uh, you. Yeah, that might make sense. Yeah. So that's his claim for why his ship was the one that was stolen. He says that he'll head back to Earth now himself, and he'll make sure that they're not there, and if they are, he'll deal with them. 
how's it gonna head back to earth <laughs> the Daleks <laughs> are like we are not giving you a ride uh they actually do offer him a ride oh okay yeah That's the nice black one. the black Dalek is like cool cool It may even be the same model. If they even show it on camera. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I guess I hadn't asked, like, uh, if we even see these these crafts. So we've seen, like, the interior of the spar several times, and it's it's similar to the TARDIS control room, but, you know, definitely not the same. It's, you know, your average consoles and and levers and switches and stuff it's a pretty good pretty good sci-fi spaceship control room awesome we here for it yeah we've seen the outside a few times and i will say that i don't know you know if this is just loose cannon coming up with something or you know if they were looking at you know production drawings or what Mm -hmm. but it's sort of a a round vessel that you know the top half is just kind of a a cylinder and then the bottom half kind of flares out and it's got it's got like spindly legs that it lands on and the cool thing is that as it lifts up and as it as it sets down it spins nice yeah very cool we cut to the surface of the planet desperus where a guy named bors stabs his knife into the table (laughs) <laughs> very cool Bors is a serious guy you can tell uh-huh he has two companions Garge and Kirkson oh my gosh Garge I feel like uh-huh. I thought Garge <laughs> is the best one so far Bors is Bors is pretty good Kirkson eh, maybe try hard try a little harder yeah Kirkson's like yeah Terra Nation got bored thinking of names that's just the name so Garge and Kirkson each <laughs> They each try to grab Borza's knife, and he basically, like, stops them. He knocks their hands away or whatever, and then reclaims the knife for himself and proclaims that he is their leader because he has the knife. And they're like, yeah, that's because you didn't let us grab the knife. How is this, how is this fair? Uh-huh. Garge gets sent out of the cave on guard duty. Guard duty. <laughs> Bors lays down to sleep, and we cut to a little bit later when Kirkson tries stealing the knife from the sleeping Bors, but he doesn't roll high enough on his stealth check to beat Bors' passive perception, so Bors wakes up and catches him in the act. He's like, you want the knife, huh? <laughs> I'll give you the knife. Or is he saving that for later? Uh, no, he's saving that for later. Alrighty. Um, yeah, just just threats for now. Garge comes back into the cave to report on the spaceship that he saw, which was not a prison ship, and which looks to be landing in the nearby swamp. Very cool. And the three of them realize that they could steal this ship and leave the planet but of course they also realize that other prison planet inhabitants will surely have had the same thought so they'd better hurry 
So are Garge, Bors, and uh, what was it? Um, Nielsen? Kirksen. Kirksen. Are these guys like just normal humans? Are they wearing like prison uniforms or what are we what are we dealing with here uh they're all humans but they're they're a bit scraggly ah scraggly huh yeah the 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 level of scraggliness is telling indeed they've definitely been on this prison planet for a while and always relevant to know the level of scraggliness not many opportunities on the prison planet to to lower your scraggliness level hmm just plenty of opportunities to raise it. Mm-hmm. We cut back to the spar where Stephen and Brett are trying to fix the ship. I guess, you know, it was a, a bit of a rough landing, even though it wasn't like a full crash landing. The doctor is complaining about out of date and primitive spaceships wanted to bump and they all fall to bits. Yeah, uh, Sure, always, always blame the spaceship, though. <laughs> uh-huh. Brett says that the spar is... The most technically perfect craft in the history of space. Oh, uh, yes. Wow. And, and the doctor's just like, yeah, that's why we're stranded here, huh? <laughs> oh, doctor. <laughs> Steven's like, dude, doctor, you can't even control where the TARDIS goes. And the doctor's like... You listen to me, young man. Don't you start to criticize my TARDIS. And as for space travel, you're still wet behind the ears. Oh, do get on with it, both of you. (laughs) (laughs) I like that assortment of sounds at the end. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, those weren't actually in the transcript. I had to make sure to to write those out so I would remember to say those and include them in the clip. Excellent, because, yeah, you you listeners only heard, I assume, what the doctor said, but Kyle was kind enough to uh, fill me in on the full line, including those sounds (laughs) at the end, so I could have the full experience. Katerina, meanwhile, has opened the airlock doors of the ship because she sees lights in the distance. (laughs) Uh she uh, she just wanted to go check it out. I mean, she did hear the part uh-huh. where they're on a prison planet, right? <laughs> <laughs> the doctor's like, well, guess we better fix the ship quickly because I'm sure the people with the lights that are heading toward the ship are probably going to suck. Uh-huh. We get a brief scene with the Daleks where they inform the pursuit fleet of the exact location of the spar. And they basically tell the pursuit fleet to eliminate the fugitives after recovering the terranium. Nice. Well, uh, we, we, we knew that they weren't keeping them alive out of the goodness of their hearts. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we cut back to Bors, Kirksen, and Garge, who are in the swamp near the spar. They douse their torches much to Kirkson's dismay because he's worried about these giant bats in the swamp known as screamers. Nice. I dig it. That's a very kind of classic D&D feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. It's kind of like, yeah, they're kind of like their own little party of PCs going to come face off against our main party of PCs. Yeah, and, and I was also thinking that giant bats called screamers. Something right. About that also has that kind of 
Gary Gygax era of D&D type of vibe to it. Yeah, totally. Bors and Garge start heading through the dark swamp towards the spar, but Kirkson's basically too scared. He kind of freezes in place. He's like, but my name is not as cool as yours. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Once Bors and Garge leave him on his own, though, the screamers do start attacking him, so he runs away. Oh, what a shame that this is a, a loose cannon reconstruction and we can't watch the, I'm sure, the amazing uh, original screamer attack scene. Yeah, totally. I'm just picturing giant bats, you know, hung hung from very visible strings, uh-huh. sort of getting swung into the actor <laughs> as he flails his arms around. <laughs> I think that's probably exactly what it was. <laughs> what a shame this episode is lost. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Katarina is helping the doctor back into the ship. We cut back to the spar. Apparently, he took a step outside to investigate the ship's immediate surroundings. And once back in, he asks Brett where the cactic outlet is. And he yeah, plugs... Yeah, cactic A or cactic B? Because <laughs> uh, I haven't upgraded to the latest yet. Oh, I think I think you're going to need a converter. <laughs> right. Yeah, like I've got the lightning cactic cable here. <laughs> he plugs one end of a cable into the cactic outlet, and then he throws the other end out the door of the ship, basically into the swamp below, and he tells Katarina to pull this switch when he tells her to. <laughs> that should repel any borders. <laughs> okay, I'll be curious to see what that does or uh, it, how, how obvious that will even be in the reconstruction. <laughs> uh-huh. He and Katarina are waiting by the door, you know, watching out the door of the ship, and they see some movement... So she goes to wait by the switch. The doctor lets Boris and Garge basically get right up to the base of the ship's ladder before he tells Katarina to pull the switch. And when she does, they both get electrified. Nice. Brett's like, dude, cactic power's not going to kill anyone. And the doctor says, But of course not. But it will knock them unconscious. Now, just you remember, young man, I have no desire to kill anyone. <laughs> uh, ever since that uh, cave person incident, <laughs> uh-huh. I changed my mind. <laughs> he and Katarina recover the cable, and she's like, Jim, there are many strange mysteries with you. I know I'm safe. Aw. She's not safe for long, though. Because the doctor sees a Dalek spaceship outside getting ready to land. Nice. Is this a flying saucer? Yeah, basically. Excellent. Similar saucers we've seen earlier. Excellent. Brett and Steven have done enough repairs that Brett should be able to take off manually. And so he starts doing that. You know, as as he gets the ship started up and starts launching, he asks the doctor... If he closed the outer airlock door, 
which the doctor didn't. He's not used to, you know, this kind of ship with this kind of door. <laughs> yeah, the TARDIS just has the one. <laughs> uh, Brett's able to close the outer airlock door from the control panel, though. Okay, there's just a button that he pushes. <laughs> uh huh. And as the spar lifts up, the doctor watches the view screen. Nice. They get up into space, and the doctor sends Katarina to make sure the airlock door is secure. But when she checks the door, she screams, and presumably she sees the same thing that we do, which is the words, Next episode, The Traitors. Dang. Well, cool. So that was a fun one. I mean, we uh, got to see Devil Planet, um, which I, I, I guess wasn't quite as diabolical as I had <laughs> hoped, but... Uh-huh. It, it was only uh, in, like, half of the episode, but... Yeah, and, when, you know, we just landed and zapped a couple guys and then took off again. <laughs> <laughs> but it did have giant bats. Uh-huh. Cool. Well, um... I think uh, it wouldn't be a Terry Nation uh, script if it didn't have at least one throwaway episode, so this might have been it, but still, kind of fun. Yeah, it was it was entertaining enough. Cool. So did you have any uh, notes for the end of the episode? Um, no, not this time. Alrighty. Well, in that case, um, we'd like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song that he made for us. Uh, you can find his album Men's Firmus on Bandcamp and check out his other music on SoundCloud, and there's links in the show notes. Um, and if you want to reach out to him, you can email him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And thank you, listeners, for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at doctorwatcher. And tune in in two weeks to hear all about the traitors. Yes. Uh, we already know that Mavic Chen's a traitor, but it, are there more traitors? Because it's plural. I guess we'll find out. Bye. Bye. out-of-date and primitive spaceships one little bump and they all fall to bits doctor what are you talking about this is a spa the most technically perfect craft in the history of space oh planet. yes quite so that's why we are stranded on this pimple of a planet whilst you fruitful with that fuse bar hmm? come on doctor the tardis isn't exactly perfect is it i mean you can't even control where we're going now you listen to me young man don't you start to criticize my tardis and as for space travel you're still wet behind the ears Oh, do get on with it, both of you. Oh, humph, ho, hum.